There's been a lot of negative talk about Netflix. I'm about to put that to sleep on this here advertisement on the sports antidote. Cancel Netflix because of cuties? What? You think it's our fault we had a documentary with a bunch of five-year-old girls running around in bikinis? We're about to make one with boys, dogs, and cats. And you want to know why? Simple. I'll tell you why. Netflix, ho. Yeah, we didn't re-up the office. So what? We know that's why 90% of the people signed up so quick over the pandemic. We know that. But we ain't re-upping that. You can go watch it on MTV, go through all those commercials, but you ain't canceling. We don't allow canceling. Netflix, ho. Oh, I didn't care too much for Ozark season two. What? You didn't see Jason Bateman's diversity? Are you kidding me? Ozark's was amazing. Netflix, skank. Crazy ass right wing people talking about Reed Hastings like that, our CEO, saying he looks like he could be sat down in a chair by Chris Hansen. Huh, I don't think so, man. Let me tell you something. Netflix, ho. We don't do good documentaries. Bitch, we started Firefest just to set the whole thing up and then document it. Netflix, bitch. Who on God's green earth do you think set up the Tiger King to that bitch Carol Baskin? You think that was a coincidence? <laughs> Netflix, bitch. Would you think $5.99 is too much to stream? $15.99 is too much to stream and get DVDs? Talking about price? Coronavirus? You think we care about coronavirus? This is Netflix. Keep bitching. Guess what? I'll make it $99.99. Netflix, mother... Welcome to the Sports Antelope, episode number 38. It started from a $20 check. I'll explain. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Got a good show for you today. Pretty quick. I'm going to touch on the movie with Hugh Jackman, Bad Education. I'll break that down to where we are now in society and sports in particular. Pretty good there, I think. 
Tommy Bench comes on to talk about the three C's, I believe. COVID, Pomo, and the carnivore diet. Of course, Bro Exotic will be on. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the wokest of them all? He's going to tell us. You didn't see the picture we posted there. I mean, there's got Taylor Swift, AOC, Coke, Ben and Jerry's, LeBron, and the like. It's just super. Oh, and Stan Van Wokey. Everybody's on there, baby. We'll find out. What else we got here? Oh, yes. Uh, Major League Baseball. We're going to get into a quick six, seven minute bit on that, on all over the trade overview and what's happened. I'll get into that. Never seen this many one year deals in my life. I'll expand on that. Major League Baseball. A huge offseason. I know most people, well, I would say most people aren't into it, but certainly interesting if you are. Uh, man, this is the lulling time, though, in sports. I, I'll probably mention this a couple times, but this is, you know, post-Super Bowl, before the conference tournaments in basketball. March Madness, you know, still a ways away. Not quite time for baseball yet, spring training. This is kind of when it's, you know, this is when you struggle for material. Not us. No, we'll never, that will never happen. We'll be getting into the tournament more and more as we go. I know Dickie Salvo was supposed to make it. Another complication with that on my end, having to record way too late here live in Miami, downtown Miami, have a big meeting tomorrow. And if you hear that noise in the background, man, there ain't nothing I can do about that. We are, I mean, it's just by the interstate. It's just loud. I just, hopefully you can't hear it. But boy, I tell you what, it is loud. And speaking of Miami, man, don't ever rent a car here. No, just Uber everywhere. Why? Because in order to find the rent a car, it's like a it's like a scavenger hunt. It's it's like a movie scene. So by the time you actually find the signs that guide you to it, bring a Gatorade because you're gonna need one. You're gonna walk about a mile with your bags. I'm not exaggerating. It's about a mile. And after you've done walking that mile, you're gonna get on this tram, okay? And there's no air condition and it's hot as hell outside. So be prepared to sweat. Bring a sweat towel. And by the time you get to the rent-a-car facility, of course, National cucked me. And they're at the very bottom, and the elevators are broken. So be prepared to lug all your stuff down five flights of stairs. And then by the time you get to the National guy, you're already sweating pretty good. And he's like, is everything okay, bro? No, nothing's okay, bro. Nothing. And yes, I am executive. Yes, just give me the car. I don't want the, the Dodge Charger. Just give me the freaking... Whatever. God, just get me out of here. Anyway, don't ever rent a car in Miami. Life advice from Danny Belts to you. Bad Education. True story, great movie. Starring Hugh Jackman, a.k.a. Huge, huge jacked man. But not in this movie, though, as he plays the persona of a former teacher that went to the administrative side to be the superintendent in a village of Roslyn, New York, in Long Island superintendent of the school district there uh, and the movie portrays him as being an outstanding individual but boy how the book unfolds so i hear the movie is extremely accurate and big time spoiler alert if you're going to watch it but it's one of those movies where it's already happened so it's not like i mean you probably already know it but if you don't and i'll assume you don't here's what happened so this model american hugh jackman uh, I gotta stop saying that because he's playing a guy named Frank DeSoni, Dr. Frank DeSoni. And from the outside in, he's a widower, appears to be still grieving over his wife, uh, is extremely helpful, extracurricular activities with the kids, is very smart, also acts as kind of like a borderline psychiatrist uh, for all intents and purposes. Looks like he really cares about these kids, he puts money 
It's his last thing he's worried about. He's worried about the education uh, and, and betterment of the school district. And the big thing they're trying to do is become number one because at the time, I mean, even now, your house value is very dependent on the level of the schools. So the better the schools are, the public schools, the more your house value is. So all the parents are very into them being in the number one school district. And thus the story takes place from there. So as the, we progress through the movie, uh, Dr. Frank, again, continues to look like, from the outside in, the best person on the planet. He's helping all these single moms with their kids. He's tutoring. He's, uh, you name it. And he makes this one mistake he probably did that no one thought would ever happen. A girl walks into his office uh, in the movies. I don't know her name in the movie. In real life, it's Rachel Bognera. And she's a sophomore working for the school paper. And she wants to get a clip on the $8 million skywalk that they're building to better the school from a cosmetic standpoint and just a way of tr- communi- st- uh, communication, transportation, foot traffic, all of this. So he gives her a 30-minute clip, 30-second clip. She's recording it. And then she goes on to say that, yeah, I'm a sophomore. They're not going to play my stuff. And he goes, that's ridiculous. And he gives her uh, some encouragement <coughs> Excuse me, on how to – the story is only as important as you make it. You know, this can be as big as you want it to be. And boy, that advice spawned just that open Pandora's box and then some. So she goes and starts doing some investigating of her own on, you know, why they're paying so much money for this. And boy, did she stumble on a lot of stuff. But before that happened, we need to talk about the, super, the assistant superintendent right under Dr. Frank, Pam Gluckin. And what she is, is she takes care of most of the finances and closes out, the, uh, closes out the tab every month accordingly. Well, she had basically been using the school card for everything that you're not supposed to use it for. All kinds of personal value will get into, personal usage will get into. All of this would actually lead up to the largest school embezzlement in the history of the United States. And all because of one sophomore girl who wanted to be an investigative journalist and stupidity. So long story short, Pam Gluckin's son was going to do renovations at Pam's house and use the company card at like 100 true values and had a boatload to the tune of like $50,000 worth of stuff. Of course, somehow they got flagged. I don't remember how. It came back to him and then inevitably came back to her and then she had... To step down. Now, the funny part was in the movie, Dr. Frank, her boss and best friend for a while, kind of deflected it and used the excuse of, look, if we report this, the housing value that we're shooting for for the parents will plummet. The Times magazine, uh, the, you know, the New York Times will be here. All of these things will happen. We'll be screwed. So the board of directors kind of agreed with him and they fired her and basically said, look, you've embezzled $250,000. They kind of doctored that up. I won't get into all the details. And we need you to restitute that so you have to pay that back and you need to resign. We're not going to go public with this, but you are fired. And then he goes on to tell her she needs help. She's a sociopath, things of that nature. And she's looking at him like he's the crazy one. But no, uh, it's her, so you'd think. So she gets fired. And on her last day, she still tries to talk to Dr. Frank, but he won't communicate with her. He's cut her off. And then he writes, she writes something down on a piece of paper as he slams the door in her face because he won't talk to her. Everyone's watching her. She storms out with a box with all her stuff and hands one of the ladies a piece of paper 
And she says, tell him this is my exit interview. She goes and hands the paper to Dr. Frank later. He reads it. It says, I'm not the sociopath, insinuating you're the sociopath. And I was like, what is that about? Hmm, that's interesting. Well, come to find out. Uh, Dr. Frank was not exactly living the poor man's life as we thought. The aforementioned student ended up digging up all kinds of expenses, receipts, all these fake companies that were receiving upwards of a million dollars a year that did not exist. And one of the fake companies was a residential address in one of the most expensive zip codes on the planet. It's out there and I don't uh, cent, not Central Park, I think right you know right there in the middle of everything in New York City. And she finds out that that is Dr. Frank's residence. Oh, and he's living there with a man. So he's a closet homosexual. Nothing wrong with that, but he's been portraying the, the you know grievance of his wife. We find out he was never married to her. It was a fake picture on his desk anyway. He's been living with this man for 30 something years on the tab <laughs> of the taxpayer in that city. It gets even crazier than that. They pulled the onion back. He's been going to Europe on a Concorde jet, buying houses in other states, running all over the place, going nuts, cosmetic surgery, all on the company. And they are all on the, excuse me, the New York, the Long Island taxpayer in that school district. How unbelievable is that? And you got to think like, where did this all start? Where did it begin from? Everything has a beginning and an ending. Well, we find out what the beginning was. And I've really blown through this. But you can go read about that or watch the movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, but it is, it, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it's a good read as well. I don't know. The movie's always better than the book, though. Don't, don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. <clears throat> but long story short, uh, he gets arrested while he's in Nevada running around with his boyfriend as he's actually cheating on his husband. And he gets sentenced to a good bit of time in federal, you know, federal prison and all of this. But before all this happened, he meets up with one of the co-stars in the movie. It's Ray Romano. And he's talking to Ray on the bleachers of the school as they're telling him, we have to go public with this. You're going to go to jail. You are a piece of shit. And he's such a sociopath that he tries to defend this whole thing. He tries to defend, I had to buy these expensive suits. I had to have $40,000 worth of dry cleaning. I had to have cosmetic surgery to have the upkeep of being. So he justified this all in his head. Clearly sociopathic behavior. I'm not, you don't have to be Freudian, Freudian to understand, you know, how crazy that is, especially when you pathologically justify something like most politicians. Well, I have an uncle like that, just a complete pathological liar, but it's fine. Uh, and then Ray Romano, I forgot his name in the movie, asks him, dude, what were you thinking? And he, he says, he's shaking now because he knows it's over. He says, eight years ago, I was at a piece of crap pizza joint. I got two slices and an iced tea. It was 20 bucks. And I handed, I handed him the wrong card, the, co the company card, the one that, that Pam was using or her son was using and she was using as well. There was a whole rack of embezzlement here from her as well. <clears throat> but they probably would have got away with it had it not been so stupid or if this chick had not uncovered all of this insanity. Uh, but he tells him, I was going to just reimburse it on Monday. I didn't think it was a big deal. But I never, he goes, I never did reimburse it. It just went away. He said, this all started from a $20 check. $20 check turned into $11 million. 
in total embezzlement from the Roslyn School District inside of Long Island, New York. $11 million from a $20 check. Where did we get right now in society? I'm not even talking about President Biden, former President Trump. I'm just talking about this insanity that's ensuing right in front of our face. The Dr. Seuss insanity, the Coca-Cola insanity, all of these things. Like five years ago, I didn't even think that were to be possible. And I have a lot of friends that are Democrats, liberal Democrats, but they're not woke. This, I know we talk a lot about the woke stuff on this show, but it is getting to the point where it's just like, what? okay, something needs to stop. You, you got to stop canceling everything and having this outrageous idea that if something offends you, if you don't like it, we're going to cancel it. There are serious ramifications from this. One of the local politicians here was trying to cancel Rouse's grocery store chain in Louisiana because the owner went to the quote-unquote insurrection. Don't get me started on that. And there's been over 200 arrests, and they should all go to jail. Not all of them Trump supporters. I'll have you know that. But I don't see any Republicans trying to bail them out of jail, unlike Steve Carell, cuckold, and everybody else bailing out people, destroying federal, public, private property throughout the entire spring, summer, and fall. But that's neither hither nor tither, now is it? But they legitimately tried to cancel the grocery store because he went there. He didn't go there to riot the owner of the grocery store, Rouse Sr. He just went there because he was a Trump guy and Trump was good. I don't know. Just, there's nothing illegal about doing that. Now, there's illegal about going into the Capitol building and taking stuff and, you know, basically vandalizing and doing whatever they did. Sure, no one's going to argue that. They tried to cancel. And I remember tweeting to this guy, do you know how many Afri and they, because they did this because they said it was out of racism, of course, and white supremacy. And I texted him after he was advocating to cancel Rouse's. Rouse's employs more than 50 percent African-Americans throughout their 36 grocery stores. And a lot of that's also in middle management. I know that for a fact because I know someone that's a higher up there at that grocery store. And he's Hispanic. White supremacy. So if you were to cancel Rouse's, who's going to employ all of the African-Americans that you're accusing uh, this gentleman who employs them all of being a white supremacist. How does that work? They don't even think about that. They just had the CPAC right here in Florida, I believe right side of Orlando. The Hyatt held it. Hotels have got hit harder than airlines, okay, during this pandemic. And hotels are one of the biggest employers in the world, inside of the biggest employer in the world, hospitality. And yet now they want to cancel the Hyatt I guarantee you there's a lot of non-Trump people that work in that hotel that need that hotel to support their families. The fuck are you thinking? Cancel it because the conservatives were there and then you're saying it was a training ground for domestic terrorism? Are you out of your mind? Domestic terrorism? What, what, what's been happening the entire year in major cities? What? And this is, this is not my opinion. This is just what I've seen with my own two eyes as I've traveled the country more than anyone I know in 2020 to major cities. And I've seen BLM with my own eyes. I've seen Antifa real up and close in Austin. Oh, yeah. I've seen what happened in Portland. I was in Portland not three months ago. I've seen it with my own eyes in California, especially Los Angeles, as I drove through there. Don't cuck me. So clearly... Something that started from a $20 check, illicitly purchased, all the way to $11 million in embezzlement. My point is, where did this begin? I can't pinpoint it. BLM started with Trayvon Martin and that whole debacle 
that fateful night. I know that. But I can't pinpoint when the cancel culture. I'm sorry if you thought that I had pinpointed it. I hadn't. I just thought it'd be relevant to talk about one last time. I mean, that's a, that's a lie. It's not the one last time. But then as it comes into society from something like that, it filters into sports. You have to have a problem with this because I guarantee you most, and again, most of my liberal friends are not woken. They do not want to cancel stuff because they understand the ramifications from canceling. I guarantee you an overwhelming majority majority of liberal Democrats that vote definitely don't agree with the far, 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 far minority of the left. Minority being just the mathematical, the percentage, not the skin color. It's a shame I have to actually preface that. I actually went back and looked, and I couldn't really find it when it started in society and in sports. I can't really pinpoint it. Most people are thinking more like, well, it's because of like guys like LeBron and Kaepernick. Let me help you out here, man. I'm not saying they didn't suffer any racism in their life, but their pre- oppression, you can kiss the left side of my nutsack. Oppression. Now, when Jim Brown, when he gets up there, okay, or when Muhammad Ali, guys that were playing during the most ludicrous racist time probably ever in our country, aside from like during slavery, but when there was more tension than ever, you know, segregation. Yeah, I'll hear Jim Brown out. Yeah, damn right I'll hear Muhammad Ali out. God knows what type of insanity they heard. And now we're going to act, we're going to compare them to guys like Kaepernick and LeBron? Stop it. So it's maybe somewhere in between there. Was it Muhammad Abdul Rauf, Chris Jackson? I don't know. I guess maybe. But I guess what? Sometimes the beginning doesn't lead close to the end. The end could be far away, but the beginning has only just begun. And that is the problem that I have with this. <laughs> Everything starts from something. And as Homeboy said on that one movie, <laughs> big things have small beginnings. What's that movie, that science fiction movie? I can't believe it. I loved it. The prequel to Alien? God, that's what you get for going off the cuff again, my govs. All right. <laughs> Let's get into the baseball thing. But just remember... Just remember, this ain't over by a long shot in society, in your job, in your family, or even in your sports. And I don't even know what I'm going to do with my kid by the time she's in high school. The, the level of woken, she might be so ashamed to be white, she might, I don't know. Maybe, but you know what? Blackface might actually come back so you don't have to be white. And they'll just go full circle. And they being the white liberals, not the black. It's the, it's the, it's the snowflake super left whiteies that are the problem let me i can't preface that enough i really want to bash cuomo but i have a good feeling that tommy bench will take care of that one let's get into the baseball rant white bitch of the week bro exotic tommy bench rap oh wait a second i think i forgot something Mark Garofalo, 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 this guy, <laughs> another Hollywood cuckold that just farts in a wine glass, swerves it around and smells it, just, and everyone else tastes it as they just, the, the Golden Globes, which more people were watching, the reruns of Bull and Night Court at 3.30 at night than they were the Golden Globes. It's, it's funny how they still haven't released the ratings on that, too. 
because it was probably right around, you know, like Dick Van Dyke, 5 a.m. on Nick at Night, something like that. Yeah. He goes on to say we needed to help support the healing of Mother Earth. They just can't, they can't help themselves. When that dude got up there, uh, Ricky Gravis got up there last year and said, get your fucking award and get the fuck out of here. You know, he, I thought that was great because no one wants to hear. No one wants to. They thought he was joking, too. They're all laughing. <laughs> no, he was dead serious. He was dead serious. Nobody cares. You are an actor. You play pretend for a living. You are not smart. You are like Cartman in South Park having a tea party in his backyard with Clyde Frog and Polly Pressy Pants. There's no difference between that and what you do for a living. Contribute nothing to society. You're a massive cuckold. God, I'd love to fight. I just, it's just, it, it, I'm to the point where I just don't even know what to do. It's just so stupid. And I, I wish I wouldn't hear it, but you can't get away from it. So anyway, yeah, it was, we'll go heal Mother Earth. This dude hasn't done shit for the planet his entire life. I've done more in a weekend than he's done for his life, but let's pat him on the back because he checked the box. You are white bitch of the week. I have never seen this many one-year deals in my life in the Major League Baseball offseason. I think this was the most trades that I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if it was the most ever, but, I mean, there were so many I don't want to talk about them all. I want to talk about the most relevant ones, uh, some relevant themes that are occurring. Uh, The Pittsburgh Pirates have traded away, once again, everyone they have of value. It is incredible how the Pittsburgh Pirates continue to just get talent and ship it. I think they've only played McCutcheon, only paid McCutcheon out of the – they didn't even pay Gary Cole. Where do you want to start with the Pirates? It's just an absolute dumpster fire with these guys, which we'll get into. Again, a lot of one-year deals. One-year deals typically mean one thing. Teams trying to make a run. There are some teams off the wall that you would not suspect. They're going to try to make a run. Let's start with Oakland. This is when Oakland's cycle normally ends. If you don't know the A's that well or seen Moneyball, they don't like to spend money. Not at all. They don't pay anyone. Just ask anyone that's played for Oakland. That's a real thing. So after Oakland has another good season, this is typically where they get rid of everybody, and they did get rid of everybody basically in their bullpen, but then they reload with Rosenthal, Pettit, and Romo. Rosenthal, Pettit, Romo, a very ridiculous combo of three of the best relievers on the market, so that would lead me to believe that Oakland is not going to punt like we think that they would. Let's go down to Florida, where I'm at right now, the Milans. Oh, a good team last year, right? Kind of good enough to basically backdoor qualify their well into the way into the playoffs due to the crazy COVID playoff rules, whatever you guys know what happened there. Teams with like losing records were getting in. It was really weird. It picked up Adam Duvall, another one year deal. Pretty uh crazy though. That's not one of the crazier one year ones. We'll get into more uh in huge news. The Dodgers, amongst all other people, they re-signed, picked up the NL Cy Young, Trevor Bauer. I don't know if it's gonna work out for Trevor. Uh, I'm not sure how he does on the big stage, but he's coming off probably the best year of his life. Looked ridiculously dominant down the stretch, especially in the postseason. Had to take a no decision in that first game he pitched with the Braves where he went nine innings and didn't give up one run and surrendered three hits. The Braves would lose later in like the 16th inning. What a disaster that was. Let's move on down to the the Cardinals. So, first of all, the Cardinals traded Dexter Fowler. Is that big news? No. What's the news? He's still playing Major League Baseball? I feel like when I was living in Colorado in 2008, Dexter Fowler was old then when he played for the Rockies. But, t- but the Cardinals, speaking of, uh, of them, probably the biggest free agent acquisition in the offseason next to Trevor Bauer would be Nolan Arnato. If you do not know who this is, it's because he came from said Rockies. A gold glove third baseman, a silver slugger, an MVP candidate basically every single year. 
He is a wall at third base, hits for average and power, sprays the baseball all over the field. He can steal. He is a 10-tool player of a 5-tool belt. And the Cardinals got him for next to nothing in a trade. He basically backdoored the Rockies after that major extension they gave him. Wasn't happy with the front office, but the Rockies' front office has been notorious for people not liking them. Charlie Blackman's next. Hell, it was DJ LeMayhew before then. It's all going down for the Rockies. They're terrible. Move on down to the Phillies. D.D. Gregorius. Is that really a big deal? Not really. I don't really think so. Phillies might be in contention. I don't know. But they paid him a lot of money, and it wasn't a one-year deal. It was two. So I guess it's noteworthy on this rant. The Cubs signed Jock Peterson. Nope. Doesn't really matter. But speaking of the Cubs, they traded Lester and Schwarber to the Nationals. Is that really a big deal? Not at all. Lester, I can't believe he's still in baseball. And Schwarber, Lester, one-year deal. Schwarber, one-year deal. The reason why they gave him a one-year deal is because this is probably his last year. Schwarber's going to go probably start a donut restaurant or a donut stand, and then he'll put himself out of business by eating them all. His face is so fat, I don't know how he fits a fucking helmet on sometimes. He is a disgrace of an individual. I'm sorry. I have nothing wrong with... Look, I'm overweight. I have nothing wrong with that. But you're going to be pro in something? Come on. Unless you play right tackle, figure it out. It's disgusting. The Jays. Ooh, interesting, the Jays here. So they pick up Mats from the Mets. Uh, Matt, Steven Matz, I think when he's healthy, he can be extremely good. And I, obviously, as you know, one of the larger top five acquisitions would be George Springer, the dominant leadoff hitter from the Astros, great outfielder, goes to the Jays, who are already surging last year. A lot of young talent there, something to look out for as well. The Rays, they re-sign Archer, not coming off his best year, and they get Waka Waka. I don't really think the I say this every year. The Rays aren't going to be that good. They almost won the World Series with a payroll that was less than Clayton Kershaw as a whole. <laughs> Ridiculous is that. Braves were really good last year, but they struggled with starting pitching down the stretch, if you remember. So what do they do? They sign Salty Chuck, Charlie Morton. The Rays let go of Charlie Morton. Of course, they're not going to pay him again. How good is that guy? He's like the gift that keeps giving. That's a big pickup for the Atlanta Braves. And I saw that one. I was like, whoa. Because that's what they needed to go along with that other studs they have in that in that stallion group. So that's certainly going to change things up for them. Oh, man, the Pirates. Trade Josh Bell as well. I'm sorry. Josh Bell to the Nationals with Fat Face Schwarber and Lester the Molester. They give Jamison Ta- Jamison Tallion goes to the Yankees with Corey Kluber. What? Are you kidding me? Well, the Pirates get rid of everyone. I can't believe Kluber is going to end up somehow with the Yankees. That is just crazy. There's a couple people that I did miss out for the Jays. I actually, uh, I'd be remiss. They did sign Marcus Simeon, Yates, and Tyler Chatwood to one-year deals. There were so many one-year deals in this thing. I I was trying to like load them all up on here because there's a bunch of them that are kind of relevant, but not. But man, I, I it was just too much work. Those are the big acquisitions, the big trades. There was a lot of big re-signings, but then again, if we got into that. I mean, we'd be here all day on the MLB bit. We'll be getting into the tournament coming up here pretty soon. This is just the lull in sports. Before the conference tournament starts, football is over. Well before March Madness, this is when uh, reporters get super lazy. Well, we try to stay on the ball on this stuff. But anyway, we'll keep you abreast. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to Major League Baseball as I am every year. And hopefully they don't cuck uh, like the NFL and the like. Has anybody seen Bro Exotic? The Onion Ring where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the wokest of them all? I find myself asking me this question all the time. And then 
I saw the portrait on the Sports Antidote page on Instagram and then thought, how is Bro Exotic not on this portrait? But we have to agree, though, probably those people are more woker than you. But Bro Exotic, what do you think? Uh, what's up, bro? Uh, bro Exotic. Uh, me too. Uh, Mu Epsilon Theta Omega Omega. Sick. Um, when I, uh, dude, when I see this, I, I actually, I get offended that I'm not on there, okay? Because, first of all, let's start with AOC, okay? She's not the wokest because, like, while she's on TV ranting about, I don't know, like, how the movie Avatar is racist because the white man is stealing resources and blue women. She's also in a relationship with a snowflake ginger who eats white privilege for breakfast, topped with Aunt Jemima syrup, all right? It's not Taylor Swift because, you know, she has a cardigan fashion line that's made by child slave, slave labor in the Congo, and she obviously hates the black Israelite movement because they're the only socially marginalized group of people she hasn't written a support song for. Uh, it's obviously not LeBron because... Uh, since he's not white, he doesn't have the wig responsibility of consistently reminding himself that you're a white devil. Uh, I mean, I myself have a timer going off my phone every 20 minutes reminding me to check my privilege and seek new ways to be less white. Um, Stan Van, now look, he's the closest, all right? Like last December, he proclaimed to be the poster boy of white privilege and that all white people are racist, which we know is, is a fact. Uh, you know, big, big uh, fan of my man Stan Van. Uh, but I'm clearly the wokest, okay? I mean, I had to go to Church of Woke Confession the other day because I accidentally put an aluminum Coke can and a glass-only recycling at Whole Foods. And uh, Woke Pope just said I needed to uh, do 50 Hail Thunbergs, and my sins would be forgiven, and my uh, privilege would be back in check again. Wow, what a process. Hey, uh, Taylor Swift, though, she might be woker than you. I think she was on that picture, too. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I've talked about her. She, uh, <laughs> about her cardigan line. Oh, that's right. Uh, I thought you were five. still talking about AOC. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, no, that's her cardigan, Taylor Swift's cardigan line. Got it. Child uh, labor in the Congo. Dude, well, I mean, maybe we'll just have to put you on that. Maybe we'll just have to redo it. Redo the Mona Lisa. I mean, I, I'm a masterpiece, bro. You ain't lying about that. Anything you want to close with, bro, Exotic? Uh, no, um, you guys can follow me. Uh, on Instagram at uh, B-R-E-A-U-X Exotic. And uh, no jokes, stay woke, bro. Thanks for jumping on, bro. We'll have you on next week. <laughs> Sounds good, bro. Take care. <laughs> bro, Exotic's limits just have no boundaries. Anyway, that was another gem. Tommy Bench, and then that's a wrap. Tommy Bench joins the Sports Antelope episode 37. What's up, Chief? Good to be here. Good, Good to be here time. broadcasting from the great state of Texas, which, as many of our faithful Andosians know, our governor has come out and said on March 10th, and, and interestingly, today is Texas Independence Day. Oh. I learned that while at the gym this morning. The I'm governor's in, uh, come out. I'm in a pretty open state. I'm in Florida, but I'm in Wokeami right now. Uh, well, that's too bad. A little different. Um, but yes, anyway, uh, proceed. So uh, our governor said they will be rescinding the mask mandate on March 10th. So uh, more to follow on that. But, hey, we, we, we got a, a good segment here. We're going to hit the three C's, COVID, Cuomo, and carnivore. And while we touched on a couple of these last week, we're going to go a little bit deeper into a, a few of these. So COVID, okay, we, you know, constant uh, discussion on any current events type podcast or news broadcast, but I just want to go a, a little bit into the numbers, get a little bit into the weeds, not, not too far, but just a little bit. Okay. So, so where do we stand? Well, here's what it 
here's where we're at right now. And all these are nationwide numbers. And as I've mentioned before, I go to the COVID tracking project, which interestingly run by the Atlantic, you know, that bastion of right-wing free thought over there. <laughs> uh, but uh, COVID tracking project run by the Atlantic. I, I, they've got a good layout. They seem to aggregate the numbers nicely and put them together and a lot of good information. They are going to stop that on March 7th, which I find interesting. And I do wonder if part of it is because the numbers are actually getting better. And it's almost as if good news, good data, or data that indicates things are heading in the right direction just is not beneficial and they view does not serve their purpose. So that's my tinfoil hat theory. But again, well, so I'll... Before you get rolling, I can tell you what happened the minute. I think we talked about this. If they're going to take down that March 7th, I don't know what day it was, but the minute that Biden got sworn into office, CNN took off their running death count. You know, that meter that was running for right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that thing disappeared too. I guess they lost that. Right, because now Joe Biden's responsible for the 120,000 people who've died since he was inaugurated, right? That doesn't work. Right, right. doesn't work that way. So, all right, w where are we at? Here's where we're at. Hospitalizations. And again, this is the number I probably point to the most because I, I, I think it's the number that has the least room for, I don't know if error is the word, but uh, we'll just say wading into gray areas. So current hospitalization stands at 46,388. Now, of course, some people might think, well, gee, that's, you know, what, what does that mean? Well, compared to the high, which ironically was January 6th, when there were 132,474 individuals in the United States and uh, outlying territories uh, and, and other zones under U.S. control. 132,474 people were now down to 46,388. So not out of the woods, but but you're definitely approaching the clearing here. Okay, we're, we're starting to see the end of the tunnel uh, as far as hospitalizations. In terms of deaths, still, those numbers are still unfortunately stubbornly high, right around the 2,000 a day mark. Uh, obviously, we'd like to see those get much, much lower. Uh, some of the some of that is deaths always lag hospitalizations and case numbers. Some of it is delays in reporting. You know, some of the severe weather that's been faced throughout the country and especially in Texas has caused some reporting delays. So I think some of that's still working its way through the system. But in terms of cases, on January 11th, the seven-day average was 247,000. Now that's the seven-day average. So that means the average, the daily number of cases for the seven days prior to that, 247,000 on January 11th. Right now, we're down to about 64,000 new cases per day. And, and so, one, the numbers are dropping. Why are the numbers dropping? Well, again, we talked about this months ago. I think I, I still believe what we said before is an accurate analysis. And I think it's being backed up more and more by the raw data, not, not analysis, not news stories, not people's opinions, but just raw data. Look at the numbers, look at the graphs. The trends are heading in, in one direction pretty uniformly. And that's the combination of the vaccination effort and natural immunity that has occurred. Uh, and, and in fact, if you start doing the math, and, and again, there was a Wall Street Journal op-ed about a week ago where one of the guys was making the point that he, he foresees herd immunity being achieved sometime in April. Well, he must have been listening to Sports Antidote because we said the numbers would start falling in January and sometime in the spring, we'd probably be seeing these herd immunity numbers. If you start doing the math, you look at the number of vaccines that have been distributed, you discount that a little bit because they're not 100%, and you discount it a little bit because they, they tally the numbers as a total of shots distributed. 
and they sometimes they break it down in terms of how many people have had one shot and how many people have had both shots. So we discount that number a little bit, but then you got to multiply the number of positive COVID tests. You know, right now we're sitting at about 28.5 million. Well, if you multiply that by six and then you account for the vaccine, you're talking about 67% of the population has either been exposed to and, and had COVID or has had a vaccine. And yes, there's some overlap. I can already hear somebody saying that. Well, some people, there's definitely some overlap in there. I discounted those numbers out a little bit as well. And again, e even if I'm radically wrong and say the multiplier on number of cases is much lower, 5.25, you're still talking about achieving 75% of the population either being vaccinated or infected and recovering by the end of March. So th there's the deep dive on the numbers. Things are heading in the right direction. Uh, I, it's, it's, I find it unbelievable that it seems as if we're not even allowed to discuss that natural immunity is a thing. I mean, for a hundred years of medic, modern medical science, it, it was pretty well understood that most viruses, the way they function, you get exposed to it, you survive it, you live through it, you will have some measure of immunity. Not guaranteed, not 100%, there's always exceptions, but some measure of immunity. And, and it just seems that the approach being taken in commentary and in policymaking is we won't even consider that. All right, let's get to the big news of the day. Texas, mask mandate, March 10th, done. Now, as much as some people are celebrating, and, and I am one of them, I recently went to a, a place called Outlaw Barbecue, and they are outlaws because they had one of those signs on the door, similar to what Danny Belts shared with us, where it said, okay, the governor has a mask mandate. However, we understand there are some medical conditions that may prevent you from wearing a mask. And if we see you without a mask, we're not going to ask you what your medical condition is because that's your private right. So that was a pretty cool place to walk into, an area mask in sight among the staff and other people in there. So what are masks going to be going forward? First off, I think a lot of big chain department stores, chain restaurants, and places like that, they are going to continue asking people to wear masks. And that will probably go on well into the summer. But in places where it's not required, it's just it's going to become another one of these outward signals of I am virtuous and you are not. If I wear a mask, it obviously means I am virtuous. And yes, I understand there are some people who have genuine, you know, maybe they're immunocompromised. So they need to take some additional precautions anyway. But by and large, the people who will elect to continue wearing a mask, especially people who continue to wear a mask, after they've been vaccinated, after mandates are lifted, after numbers are continuing to go down, it, it, it really is, it just smacks of virtue. It smacks of, I am virtuous, you are not. You should perform an act of contrition to attain a level of virtue that I have. And, and what'll be very interesting, this really only seeks, in the current setup, it can really only validate the pro-mask crowd. And what I mean by that is, if cases start going up, it will kind of support their contention that, look, maybe masks were more effective than some of us thought. But when cases go down, I would caution the, the anti-maskers among us. Don't jump for joy too much because there are other factors affecting the downward trajectory of cases. And, and plus, it doesn't make sense that removing masks would force the cases to go down. It's just many of us contend that it's not making the significant difference that many of the uh, pro-masking 
uh, illiterati are constantly making the point about masks and yelling and screaming about it. Interestingly, on Facebook, I saw a group that said DFW non-mask mandate businesses or something like that. And it was people listing off the idea of being support these places that are not going to require you to wear a mask after March 10th. And I, w I purposely joined it really from the standpoint of I wonder how long that group will be up. I wonder how long before Facebook comes along and censors that group and says, no, you can't have a group that openly advertises, even though by that point, it will no longer be illegal. It will not be illegal. It will not be a violation of any executive order or state regulation uh, or public health order. I, I, that'll be a very good test because, you know, Facebook's contention has always been, we just remove misinformation or people uh, trying to rebel against government mandates. Okay. All right. We, we shall see. We shall see. Um, moving on to Cuomo or belts. You got anything on COVID to tie us out with on that? No, section? no. I, I just was on another Delta flight today and uh, we had one of the stewardesses that was super, super, super masked and she would get on that microphone or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I'd say every 15 minutes reminded us all, if you're not eating or drinking, the federal government regulates you, cover your nose, mouth, and face, and ears, and, and, and feet. And I'm just like, yeah, like, come on, woman. I mean, that's when, that's when you get pull out a plastic bag and pull it over your head. Yeah. This is a joke. The dude, the dude next to me, the dude next to me kept looking at me, just rolling our eyes. It was, it was absurd. But um, no, I don't have any more COVID news. I, I'm, um, I'm over it, man. I had it done with it. Now there's 65 new strains, and you're gonna have to. Nah, whatever. I don't care. Well, so let's let's dig into that for a second. Okay. Well, we Remember don't want to go down the big rabbit was, hole, but well, 30 seconds. Remember, it was the UK strain and the South Africa strain. Remember that three four weeks ago in the news. Oh yeah. Go look. Go look at the number of new cases, the graph of new cases in both of those countries. They've fallen off a cliff. Now again, <laughs> different things affecting that. I think the UK they did do some lockdowns. But even they're they're relaxing those. But they've got a robust vaccination effort. Plus, a lot of people have already had it. UK is one of the places it was earliest spreading for the past year. South Africa, they had a sharp increase and a sharp decrease. Their vaccination program isn't quite as robust as most of the European nations, but it's it's better than many African nations. So, uh, again, I, I keep waiting. I mean, we're always told, and now now there's one in Brazil, and it's hospitalizing people in their 30s and 40s. I, okay, I don't doubt that. I'm sure that's occurring. All right. That is no, you know, viruses do mutate and change and then they'll have to adapt how they're treating and all those things. But so far, it, it seems the cycle is a new strain has been discovered. Then the vaccine makers and the public health officials say, but don't worry, the vaccines are good. So get the vaccines. Well, hold on. If the vaccine is effective and natural immunity seems to be having an effect. But you're telling me that natural immunity, you're more concerned about that from the new strain. And I, I know it's more nuanced than that, but it's it, it, it just seems they change whatever it is to meet their narrative. They change whatever the science is to meet their narrative. And their narrative is more government control. Uh, that, that's really what it boils down to. So, yeah. all right. Cuomo. <laughs> Cuomo. All right. Somebody's, somebody's career is coming to a short drop and a sudden stop. Uh, it really is interesting what's going on. Now, now this third woman who's most recently come out, in an, in an attempt to be consistent, okay? All right, if this were Republican, how would I view it? <laughs> I, I would probably say, look, what he did was inappropriate. I don't know, again, specifically the third woman, the accusation is, you know, at a wedding, he made some a couple of lewd comments 
and at one point like kind of grabbed her by her cheeks and said i just want to kiss you or something like that and but i don't think he actually did i don't think he actually kissed her but apparently he posed for a photo and put his hand against her bare back i guess she was wearing a you know dress with a cut on the back kind of thing so this particular one it, it's not that this act alone i think he should be uh, thrown out of office or forced to resign or anything like that but it's telling that if this is the behavior he's willing to do in public and there was apparently there's apparently a photo of it him like holding this very young looking woman I mean, she was an adult she was in her early 20s but she looks very young like holding her by her cheeks and somebody caught a photo of it and it just it looks creepy if somebody did that to my little sister i i you know i i'd, I'd want to take you out back if somebody if some 60 year old guy did that to my daughter when she's in her early 20s We'd, we'd, we'd step out back and have a discussion about it. Uh, but it's, it's more that it just underpins a growing narrative that he is inappropriate with women. And at some point, if, the, if your reputation is being inappropriate with women, I'm going to go ahead and, and deduce that at some point you've crossed the line, uh, either civilly or possibly criminally. And if that has occurred, then he should be forced to resign. In addition, he was one of the loudest voices about <laughs> Judge Kavanaugh and Me Too and Believe All Women and all that. It's just the level of creepiness and hypocrisy. Uh, I think for those reasons, I would say he's got to go. Now, last week we talked about wh- wh- oh, what's wait, the hold scenario. On. Let, me, let me make one comment. Nobody protects their own like like the far left. And I mean, I'm mm-hmm. going to get too political here. I mean, they had to cut ties with John Edwards because they found out he was running around with his cancer-stricken wife. Well, that's not going right. to work. But, I mean, Cuomo is one of their favorite guys. I mean, hell, his younger brother is one of the biggest names on one of the biggest news networks who hasn't mentioned this once, by the way. You're almost th- – this shows the moral bankruptcy. You are – no it, matter if you like him or not. It's, let's say – let's say uh, – It's say, news. Let's it's say news. Tucker Carlson's my favorite person, and I'm on other – that's a bad example. Let's say Ben Shapiro because he's not on Fox News, and he did something right. horrific, and I was handy. Or somebody, we would have to talk about You'd ha- it. You have to talk about There's it. You no, have yeah, to. Yeah, they're just ignoring it. I told you, go on CNN's website. It's I like did. Down there I did. Like section C52. There, there's like actually the one Japanese thing that's. Whales. The one thing that's on there is that Chris, it says Chris Cuomo addresses news of his brother or something. Yeah, it doesn't even say like sexual harassment. Yeah. So interestingly, you know, last week we, we talked about, okay, what, what scenario could come out where. I still think this is clearing the decks. I absolutely think this is clearing the decks. This is the Democrat Party wants to make sure there's no higher profile Democrat than Kamala Harris. But but let's just imagine for a second that somehow Joe actually makes it to 2024. And let's let's somehow imagine a scenario where he decides he actually wants to run again. He he will get primaried. And I think the party's thinking, well, at least if Cuomo's weakened. Because I think Cuomo would wipe the floor with him. He's a decent politician. He's kind of a slime ball, but he's a good politician. He he still gets high approval ratings. He would he could easily challenge Biden in a primary in 2024. And if, of course, what could be really odd is if Kamala Harris, the sitting vice president, wanted to challenge the president. Um, but uh, but I don't see that happening. I I think a lot of this is cleaning the decks for Kamala, but let's just assume that Joe tries to run in 2024. It would really mimic, I think, the 1980 Democrat primary when Jimmy Carter received a a fairly serious challenge from Ted Kennedy. Now, in the end, Jimmy Carter won pretty handily. You know, I'd say it was like a a 33 to 21 football game. In other words, convincingly, not a blowout, not not a squeaker, but got up by seven, 10 points and 
stayed up pretty much the whole way. I would have showed up to that if, debate with a Chappaquiddick hat and just run from there and just really get really hardcore with Kennedy. But anyway. Well, I guess Jimmy Carter's a little too much of a gentleman. Murderer. But all of that, agreed. Fact check, true. So all, all of that to say, I think there's some of this is clearing the decks. Now, what will be interesting is to see how they're going to clear uh, uh, what's the, the chucklehead out in California, Newsom. Uh, oh, this is great. You saw his they, TikTok where he's dancing around in another right, restaurant? In another restaurant, yeah. So he, he's shooting himself in the foot. Now, if Gretchen Whitmer survives 2022 and gets reelected, she'll be in a strong position. But I actually had an idea. Your sitting governor in Louisiana could be in a strong position for a 2024 primary to run as the last moderate Democrat to hold elected office in the United States. Uh, this, is why he's hold, this is why he's holding on. As states around him, Mississippi also, they came out with a statement today, too. I don't know if you saw that about the mask. I saw that. But there's a reason why he's still holding on to, to he's up to something. He's a pretty shrewd guy, um, Bell Edwards is. But I don't want to go down that road. I'll keep you here right. all day. But wrap this one up and get into the carnivore. All right, carnivore diet. So I believe you have you have concluded your uh, participation. Yes, I have, concluded. I have concluded. And mostly just because. It really began to be, uh, I was getting a little, stomach was getting a little weird, but it began to kind of aggravate my wife. Not that she right. was like hating or anything, it was just like, okay, she makes vegetables, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating vegetables or whatnot. Right. And it was just, it certainly is something that I'll, I'll, I'll probably pop it again, but in smaller stints, certainly not for a whole month, you know. Well, so I, I've decided I'm, I'm going to do at least another two weeks, only because in the last week or so. I have gotten a few pounds off. I'm not down about 12, 13 pounds into the upper 240s. I'd like to try to get, I'd like to see 239 on the scale. Um, def- and definitely have seven or eight more pounds to lose. Probably probably got about 20 more pounds I could stand to lose. So far, it has not been a huge inconvenience. I even survived traveling. Now I am going to be traveling up to Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, back 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 to the home front uh, where where we grew up. So we'll see how that goes. I already kind of gave my mom the rundown of all the stuff she needs to buy from Acme or Wegmans. There's a little shout out to the Northeast there. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a couple more weeks, hoping I can get the last few pounds off. I haven't dealt with any stomach discomfort. It is starting to annoy and bother my wife, uh, mostly because I'm constantly cooking bacon and ribeyes in a cast iron skillet. That was skillet a big one. Our just... house basically smelled like bacon for a month. So that was when Holly was like, because she likes bacon and it wakes her up because my wife works nights, right? Right. So I'm cooking bacon at nine o'clock. And I mean, that just goes <laughs> through the whole house and she would wake up and like, be like, can you take the, I don't know, whatever, man. I was wearing Well, so, so I'm, I am going to throw something out there. Maybe sometime later this year, or next year, I'd be willing to do a similar, maybe next February. Maybe we'll make February our fad diet month. That's just what we'll do. I'd be willing, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, to actually try going vegetarian for a month i'd be willing to give that a shot just to see compare and contrast not vegan i don't think i could do vegan but vegetarian so that's an idea but yeah Yeah. um, so maybe next february all right we'll talk about it but uh yeah actually i'm going out to dinner tonight here and i'm uh I'm gonna have me some steak and I'm probably, probably some asparagus, something like that. I, mean, I got some vegetables in me. I'm trying. To, I did have a massive Caesar salad the minute that uh, I got off. <laughs> you know, some big old. But anyway, um, thanks for jumping on, bro. Uh, we got to run. And, uh, Always good to be on. Yeah, we'll have you on next week. All right, out here. Uh-huh.
Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope episode 38. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Thanks to Bro and Bench for jumping on. I believe I referenced episode 37 at one point. I never can get that right. It's incredible. Well, next week will most certainly be 39. We inch closer to 50 since the reset. Looking forward to that. We'll get into basketball soon, guys. Don't worry about it. We'll be talking about some NFL coming up. Some things are happening. It's going to be one of the craziest off-seasons the NFL ever. Once that trade deadline hits, we will be seeing what's going on with Deshaun, Russell, and the like. And I have a theory about Drew Brees. People think he's done. I don't think he's done. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I think he's done in New Orleans, though. Keep it real, Anadotians. I'm creatively superior, yo. I never lose, I never lost, cause I'm the boss and never will, cause I'm still the champion. Chief one won't lose until I choose, which I won't cause.